Um, I'm Heather Hendershot from Comparative Media Studies, for those of you who don't know me. Um, Douglas O'Regan, our speaker today, is a postdoctoral fellow in digital humanities here at MIT. He completed his PhD in history from the University of California, Berkeley in uh, 2014. His dissertation was a comparative history of the Allied powers attempts to study and copy German science and technology during and after the Second World War. Um, he was a postdoc at the Fung Institute of Engineering Leadership at UC Berkeley's College of Engineering. And um, he, uh, in 2015, he was a visiting assistant professor at Washington State University's Tri-Cities campus, where he served as lead archivist and director of the oral history program for the Hartford, uh, excuse me, Hanford History Project. And the title of his talk today is Next Stage Planning for the Digital Humanities at MIT. I'm sure he'd be uh, I know he wants a lot of questions and feedback yes. and stuff from you, and I'm sure he'd be um, happy to respond to any questions you have about his earlier as well. Great. Thanks very much. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Yeah, so hopefully this is going to be more of a conversation than a talk, because as I, I'll describe, uh, really the goal of my postdoc is to help MIT figure out what what does MIT need in terms of digital humanities? How can it directly help your research, teaching, uh, connecting with the wider publics? And so really, I'm, to some degree, I'm hoping this can be a little bit of a focus group as much as anything else. Uh, but by way of setting the stage, let me back up and talk just a little bit about where I'm coming from and then the, the role that I'm in. Uh, so my, my digital humanities experience began in, um, in college when I was an undergraduate working on the Valley of the Shadow project, which was uh, one of the big early digital history projects that put up everything possible, newspapers, diaries, personal papers, census accounts, maps uh, of two counties, one northern and one southern during the Civil War era, uh, but that were within the same geographic valley. They were very close to each other with the basic premise of figuring out what was the difference that slavery made in these two communities in the decades around the Civil War. Uh, since then, I went to grad school, worked on a number of things, not especially digital humanities related. Uh, and then, as a postdoc, went and worked with Lee Fleming, who once was at Harvard, working with developing one of the best patent databases in the world, and wanted a historian to come on and try to help tell deeper stories about uh, changes in technology and breakthrough technologies using patent visualizations and data analysis combined with historical research and interviews and uh, the sort of depth that he hoped a historian could bring. So that was, that was a great experience. But in this role, uh, I was hired for a two-year position. This is just the very start of that two-year position. So I've only been here for about a month and a half now, um, maybe a little bit longer than that, but not very long. And the goal, as I said, is to assess MIT's needs uh, in the long term to become a leader in digital humanities. And digital humanities, as you're probably aware, is a vague term that does not easily get any definition that anybody would be happy with. Part of it is hype. Everyone wants to cash in on the hype of this term to describe whatever they're working on. And then, of course, there actually is a strong reality underneath it, things that can make our lives easier, uh, new types of research that you can't do without these digital tools, new types of teaching that you can't do without these digital tools. So we're trying to see what, which set of things that fall within this broad umbrella of digital humanities best apply to MIT's particular strengths uh, and, and should be the goal going forward in designing probably a center for digital humanities, maybe multiple centers for digital humanities, depending on what people think is most appropriate for this campus, for this environment. 
And that's the sort of thing uh, I'll be hoping to get feedback on. So very, very quick canned history as I'm starting to learn it uh, of, of the campus. There is a sort of center of digital humanities called HyperStudio that's been around for a while doing a lot of good work. Uh, some of the donors who were primarily donating to that have decided to donate generously elsewhere instead, primarily. Uh, and so this is sort of an opportunity, in a way, in conjunction with the ongoing uh, multi-billion dollar capital campaign for the university, for the institute, to decide what what is should we do a bigger and better version of this that has a solid stream of funding that um, maybe ties in with the libraries better, ties in with the local Boston area better. Uh, what what would we want to see to make MIT really the leader in at least some part of these fields? So we have uh, really a rare opportunity here. An awful lot of digital humanities centers, I think, get off the ground because there's some pioneering professor somewhere who starts a project and then maybe, oh, and then someone else wants to do something similar and now we have two or three things and just sort of start cobbling something together and applying for funds. Now you have institutional train moving that it's really hard to backfill all of the planning and it's really hard to get the buy-in from the administration. It's hard to get the buy-in from all these other people who are doing related things around campus. So if we really think through what we need, I think we could really make an important difference in thinking things through ahead of time and thinking about sustainability from, of our projects from the start, thinking about getting the long-term support from the start that a lot of times people uh, miss out on out of necessity, I think. So there's a steering committee, uh, Ed Schiappa from CMSW, uh, Pete Donaldson from Literature, Jeff Ravel from History, Shigeru Miyagawa from Global Studies and Languages are the four professors who are the steering committee for my position. So it really is looking at Shafts as a whole not, you know, I, I have to keep reminding myself, I have history training, but I'm not looking at digital history here, digital humanities, which is a lot of why I really need your voices and your input, because I don't know the current debates in media studies. I don't know the current debates in the things that you study, and I really do need that input on what is of interest to you, what, what can make you, um, what, what can help you, what can be useful for you. So for this semester and next semester especially, and really throughout the next year, I'm going to be meeting with a whole lot of different people. I'll be meeting with MIT faculty. I'll be meeting, uh, hopefully, in broader settings like this as well, with, uh, with researchers, with staff, with graduate students, with other community members, meeting with the library and people working at the library, uh, MIT Press, the Office of Digital Learning, Institute for Data Systems and Society, uh, and on and on. They're trying to get a good feel for what all is going on around MIT that relates to digital humanities one way or another. And then also beyond MIT at Harvard, Northeastern, and so on. And looking at other models at other big universities. Uh, and so some of the questions I'm trying to figure out and could use your feedback on is what should a Center for Digital Humanities look like? Uh, should it be multiple centers? But if it's one, what should it look like? Should it be based in an academic department? Uh, that in some way maybe gives it more research credibility, more academic credibility, but on the other hand, then it maybe makes it seem like more of a silo, like it's meant to serve a department and seems a little bit further afield for somebody outside of that department. Should it be in the library, which is maybe more central, but also more separate from, or you know, further away academically or institutionally from where you're doing your day-to-day -day work, and maybe people aren't as aware of what's going on there. Uh, there are a lot of options, and it's, it's something we should really think through, I think, together. Okay, so a couple more comments before I sort of try to open the floor here. Uh, one of them is that there are two, I guess, 
big umbrella areas, there's pedagogy and there's research. And both can fall within digital humanities depending on how you're defining it. And whether we focus on one or the other or both equally is, I think, still up in the air. Uh, digital humanities in general has focused as a, as a methodology, as a field, whatever you want to call it, on research, I think, and not much on pedagogy, but that could be one of MIT's ways of contributing and really being a leader um, to focus on that kind of thing, cashing in on the open courseware and Office of Digital Learning and those strengths there. Maybe think about integrating DH projects into teaching. Uh, could be one opportunity. Uh, we can also think through the research side of things that um, is maybe more familiar to academic audiences. Okay, uh, let's see. So we're gonna need a lot of buy-in from the academic community. That's part of what this is about. We're gonna need a probably tenured faculty at the leadership level, I think, is some of the planning in order to get the institutional buy-in. Uh, we're gonna need a stable core of funding. And maybe most of all, we need to make sure this doesn't become a silo where people come and do their individual project and no one outside of the Center for Digital Humanities hears about this project and then it, you know, after five years you move on and the project withers and dies and just sort of is a broken 404 URL on the internet for the next 10 years and maybe a line on a CV. That's, that's hopefully not what we end up with, though failed experiments are, you know, fine along the way. Okay, so... I have more comments here. I can talk about sort of some of the discussions we've been having about what it might look like, about other things we could tie into. But I really would like to uh, get some of your feedback and, and some of your thoughts rather than me go on for some time. So I have a couple of more focused questions, but maybe just to start off, any, any initial thoughts? Any, anyone want to start us off a discussion? Yes, please. Um, I'm Liz Andrews. I'm the archivist for collections in the mm -hmm. MIT Archives and Special Collections. So um, one of the um, um, aspects of digital humanities that interests me is I think there's a whole area um, that faculty haven't really focused on but uh, might help as we think about this as a whole, and that's sort of how much source material and what kind of source material do we need, and I think there's um, how, how do we acquire existing born digital material mm -hmm. and how much of that and what kinds of that are priorities for people. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, there's you know academic journals and books and archival materials in the, in the traditional research world. Mm -hmm. So what, how much do we need? How much do we need to digitize mm -hmm. uh, to have as that source material? And of course, you know I think it's been very project based mm -hmm. and so do we need to expand how we think about that at the, at the core mm -hmm. and how do how do we fit in with that other thoughts when I get us started anyone here uh, super skeptical of DH anyone here is a big believer in DH but uh, is it just sort of something you've heard about but uh, or don't really know a lot about generally curious if it's a thing of interest, or what's, what's the perception here? Well, I, I guess uh, neither uh, hostile to nor, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a, de a devotee of, mm -hmm. um, but an interested outsider. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for people like me, the challenge is really um, to try simply to imagine what are the different models that could exist, right? Uh, that we could strive for, 
for a center like what you're describing. Mm -hmm. And I think that you've already alerted us to some of the potential pitfalls in one in one design or another. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd, I'd love to sort of like run down mm -hmm. some concrete ideas about what, what are the different models. Sure. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of different things that DH centers around the country do. Uh, so often it's a place that has one or two people who have a lot of combination of technical and project management expertise. So you might, you know, maybe I have some idea that I want to do. I have this archive that's related to, um, you know, the history of Rome and. I know a lot of these images, if you put them together in different orders, you can really tell different neat stories about Roman history. And I want to get those on the web somehow, but I don't really know any more than that. You could go to this place and talk with the person. They say, well, you really need to be talking about this kind of project, and maybe you should look for this kind of grant to get you started. And you should speak with this person who's done a project like that in the past. Or here's some other projects you might think of as models compared to what you're describing. So that sort of expertise to get you started, to help you be start asking the right questions, uh, that, that sort of expertise is one valuable um, aspect of it. Some of the places have actual programmers who can help you do the programming itself, can really get the pro thing off the ground, especially if you have funding when you come into it. Of course, funding is always going to be a big deal here, and it's always going to be uh, a way that you get administrative buy-in. It's also going to be the, the big issue on whether this thing lasts and has an impact or is a flash in the pan and maybe is good and useful experiment but doesn't necessarily have the longevity of you know a book or an article that uh, will get you career credit throughout the career. But that, that's, that's another thing to think through. Uh, some of the places are more like repositories where especially if they're library-based or archive-based. Now, a lot of archives are really focused on how do we deal with long-term archiving of digital materials as a general question. That's, that's my understanding of a pretty big, big question in general. And then that, how does that apply to scholarly projects? Uh, so some of them provide fewer services of that kind, but then help, help you keep it longer term. Um, and some are, some are, I guess, more like things are now where it's more distributed. If you're a faculty member who has that neat idea about Rome, you do some research and you apply for some grants and then you hire some people and you build the servers and you do the whole entrepreneurial thing and that can work. Uh, it, it also creates sometimes redundancies, but redundancies aren't always bad if they employ people and develop skills for people and give people experience and things. Uh, so that's, that's another very ex distributed sort of extreme that's out there. But where, where it would go in the university, that also varies. Sometimes it's in the dean's office, sometimes it's in the library, sometimes it's in an academic department, uh, sometimes it reports directly to you know, a provost or a vice provost, but is separate from all those things. Uh, and there are, I think, pros and cons to, to each of those. And the question that I'm still trying to figure out, and you probably know better than I do, is which of those applies better to MIT and its particular history and organizational feeling and how willing people are to work across disciplinary lines and sort of visibility of what's going on across in the next department over. Uh, I, I don't have yet a very good impression of those and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on how realistic those, those are. Other thoughts? So anyone familiar with any sort of digital humanities projects that you've used either in research or teaching in sort of the CMS world that that comes to mind that we could 
um, talk about sort of by way of more specific example, and I could also get a feel for people are aware of these things. Yes. Look, this is before I came to. Mm -hmm. I'm a first year grad, mm -hmm. grad student. This is before I came to CMS, but my understanding and exposure to DH was very much centered around corpus analysis. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, I was working with a professor who focused on sort of early modern literature and was creating this novel database with a lot of <coughs> focus on metadata and tagging. But mm -hmm. uh, through that, and I've forgotten all the terms, but we had this one tool that basically did um, got all sorts of things to do with like. Word clouds, frequency associations. I think the tool was called Mallet, but I forget the name of the type of what it does. It was cool, but like, and so, I mean, I'm thinking about my future thesis and sort of how it would or might want to employ it for that or other research projects I might be doing with my lab. So like, that's what I'm kind of interested in um, because I maybe like beyond sort of like how can like how is digital humanities tools, methodologies, mm -hmm. as you said, it's very loose, use it sort of the question is like, but I'm not even necessarily aware of like what what these things are capable of doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like and without the knowledge I feel like how can I even start to think about how I can apply it to my work if I don't know what it's capable of? So like that might be really valuable mm -hmm. to have. People agree, disagree, but Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean I had some experience, but it was somewhat frustrating mm -hmm. in the end. Um, I'm in literature and was doing a project about this about serial publication, and we wanted to capture a lot of because a lot of the 19th century novels were published serially, and I wanted to capture. And you know, they're not readily accessible outside of rare book libraries now, and so we wanted to capture you know digital versions of the original serial installments of a lot of novels, and then we also wanted to chart like the duration of their publications, the pacing of their publications, how they overlapped, mm -hmm. what, what the sort of whole field of serial publication looked like mm -hmm. um, during that period. And so we got to a certain point, and then it came time to apply for an NEH grant, just a small grant, but we always um, came up just short. Mm -hmm. And I wound up like putting the project aside, because I, that's not what I mainly do. And I felt like I needed I needed the first model to describe. I needed a place to go where the experts, both technical and uh, grant application people, uh, could just sort of set me straight mm -hmm. and help me execute a grant proposal that's actually going to get somewhere. I felt like uh, that was a bit frustrating. Great. Um, but I had a great time while it lasted working with some terrific CMS grad students. Um, you know, they, they were very creative and they come up with a lot of new ideas for the project. So I do hope to come back to it, you know, someday. But it's not the main thing I do and, and you know, just going down that route. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Other thoughts, agreements, disagreements, other aspects? Yes. Regarding a, a new idea, uh, I'm from Mexico. I, did, I went to philosophy school in my undergrad. And the collaboration that I was very happy to see when I was working was between the philosophy professors in Mexico mm -hmm. and the Wikimedia uh, Foundation and the Mexican chapter. And to see that many of them started using Wiki in the classroom to as a request, uh, for like as a class requirement. Mm -hmm. Because in some classes where you would do digital research, basically because you were doing medieval manuscripts, so all of it was online anyway, and you were doing like 
comments, or basically like the end project was to do a footnote for a medieval manuscript. Basically, the task became to do a wiki page edit. Mm -hmm. the, because the manuscript was kind of obscure, there was no wiki page anyway, it would be to create a new page, mm -hmm. and if the page already existed, you would have to do an edit on that mm -hmm. page. And, and for, they say that for some of the grad students, the requirement was to make the edit stay, mm -hmm. that it would be resistant to takedowns, mm -hmm. because they actually have learned the rules of the mm -hmm. wiki community to put the content up there and be able to defend it if it had been taken down. So I feel like even though some people would argue that wiki projects are not the same thing as digital humanities, mm -hmm. I think that the stance in, in the National University in Mexico now, in the philosophy school, is that it is the largest project of digital humanities. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, really have, it's a really great thing to see four years later that professors use it every day. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Yeah, I think that ties to the the, the other side of the coin, which is pedagogy when it comes to using digital tools for getting students to work with things in new ways or to think through things in new ways. An annotation studio uh, uh, tool that, that came out of Hyper Studio uh, that allows, as, as I understand it, the, the instructor can upload a corpus of text, whether it's Moby Dick or something else, and then assign students go through this section of it and annotate, uh, you know, sort of line by line where do you see examples of this? How do you interpret these these sentences sort of as you're reading it, get the students to really be writing marginalia and thinking about things and writing it as they read it and think more actively uh, can can really be an instructive exercise. And uh, that's actually something I'm curious about. Is, is if there were a DH center that had, um, I don't know, digital pedagogy workshops slash collaborative thinking through things together sessions is that something people would actually be interested in going to or is it the kind of thing that people would say that's a good idea but I won't actually probably fit onto my schedule I'd be curious for both graduate students and faculty on on that and other lectures I mean, well, you have yourself in front of a community that decided to come to your talk, so presumably this is not, I mean, this is sure. a representative sample of people who might show up to something like that. Sure. Um, I wasn't required to come, maybe some of mm -hmm. you are. Um, the thing that I think some of this is going to do too, and I really like the comment about Wikimedia is, uh, and you got to it a little bit in your opening comments, is that my sort of I, I teach in the literature section here as well. But my sort of challenge um, f uh, with lots of DH projects is that they are one-offs, mm -hmm. um, and that there's a lot of kind of boutique uh, uh, programming that goes on behind mm -hmm. uh, DH projects. So if there's anything that MIT could be a sort of thought leader in, um, it would be to develop open source tools to develop mm -hmm. methods of using tools that already exist to do DH um, sort of on on our own, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, ideally, I don't want to have to go to someone and say, you know, let's spend $20,000 programming this. Mm -hmm. I want something that I can use really easily in a classroom or in research, Vis visualization tools, corpus tools, annotation tools, etc. So annotation studio, in some ways a model of that, but again, it's just one more boutique 
boutique um, software project. Um, so the kind of open source access to digital humanities development, I think, would be a thing that we could really do. I can't do it, but there are people in this community who could, and I think who would really value that. Okay, great, thank you. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, every everyone is busy is the the thing that I and I, I keep hearing and I have no reason not to believe that here at MIT people are quite interested in things going on. You know, not not very siloed in departments are actually interested in going to things, uh, and so so great. Um, I, I've been at universities where that was less the case and people wanted to go home at the end of the day and do their do their work, but were less. Um, we're more siloed, I guess. So if there, if there is interest in that kind of pedagogy, that's that's really good feedback that we can think about how to integrate that into a DH center. Um, you know, what, what are best practices that can be used this semester, or maybe if somebody has a class and wants to get any feedback on tools that might be particularly useful without doing that much research, maybe? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I also think that the libraries are, good kind of counterpart, a good um, companion. I certainly lean on the libraries mm -hmm. a huge amount in my teaching, um, and it's a place you can go for expertise um, to have have students do projects that are, you know, one, one the length of one class session or the length of a whole semester. Um, uh, Yes, but it's but it, again, it isn't just hiring a couple of programmers and making something that looks pretty. Right. Okay. Great. Thank you. Other thoughts before we go to more specific questions? Yes, please. Um, well, I've uh, worked with HyperStudio in various contexts, and <clears throat> I think that uh, what's been most useful in my work is having people who have some idea how to construct a project, how to, how to lay it out, uh, and how to work with other experts like programmers and so forth to meet a goal that's fairly simple and classroom oriented. Um, I think the problem is always a matter of time. Uh, how much time do you want to spend to learn another system? Uh, and how much of that can you share with other people who've had uh, similar kinds of experience. And so it seems to me if people are interested in a center, <clears throat> what they're really talking about is some core set of resources, intellectual, uh, pedagogical, and of course help uh, with writing proposals and things of that sort that uh, would enable somebody to get involved without having to spend this huge amount of time uh, on a learning curve to develop mastery of new systems and new processes for submitting grants and so on and so forth. So it seems to me that there are many people in many different departments who have the same set of uh, needs. And so the idea of a center, it seems to me, should be to provide them people to interact with because they might be interested in working on a project for a year, two years, maybe three years, but then they're, as Jim said, they're, that's not what they do. They, they don't spend most of their intellectual time publishing uh, pedagogy, mm -hmm. but they want to know about it because they want to know how to use it in their class. 
So a center seems to me to be a concept that could uh, help people across many different departments if it's suitably structured so that all the departments share in working out what the policy is and so on and so forth. And it has at least some central funding. Mm -hmm. I don't think MIT has ever put up any central funding for anything remotely like digital humanities. Um, and of course, then there's the whole question of uh, people educating themselves about what it consists of. Mm -hmm. uh, so bringing in people for talks or for seminars or things of that sort, if you have a center, would be possible. But uh, the question of where it's located is uh, one that's always been sort of up in the air, and I, I've never really heard a, <coughs> a uh, uh, tremendous idea for how it should be located. It might be in the libraries, it might be under the dean, it might be a center shared uh, that's in the school somehow, but that's uh, supported by several different sections. But that always seems to be one of the hard points is, you know, how do you design something like this that a lot of different people can use for different purposes, share some ideas, uh, collect some expertise so that if you learn something on one project, it isn't forgotten and doesn't need to be totally reinvented for somebody else's similar project. So you need to accumulate uh, this expertise over time. Uh, so anyway, it, it, it seems to me that uh, MIT is a perfect location for something like that. But um, because of the nature of the school and all the different sections that all sort of exist and more or less work together, uh, they're separately structured, it's hard to figure out where, <laughs> where to put the thing. And uh, you know, the idea of how it should exist. So. That seems to me to be an area of um, um, that needs needs some discussion. Right? Yeah, uh, the, uh, the funding issue is up in the air, but potentially there. The dean is actively interested in this, and as part of this multi-billion-dollar funding campaign, she's mentioned, you know, next year I'm looking forward to a funding proposal from you guys. So, what that looks like, we don't know yet. Um, but there, there are possibilities now. It's not just building from nothing. So, yes, please. Well, this is in the spirit of yes and. I mean, most of the comments have um, talked about the center as a resource, and clearly that's necessary. But I go back to your opening comments about um, the hype surrounding it and the confusion as to exactly what it is. And so I think along with being a resource, and this feels to me more purely MIT, it ought to be a like a better word, design research center, hmm. a place that does design research about what digital humanities actually is by building new stuff mm -hmm. and by trying stuff that hasn't been tried elsewhere um, with, with the risk of failure that's attended. Mm -hmm. but, but in the spirit of trying to kind of invent what digital humanities will be um, going forward. Yeah, thank you. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, uh, I'm from the libraries. <coughs> And I know you're aware, um, but uh, maybe not uh, everybody in the room is, is that we have uh, 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 been spending a lot of time in the last year plus uh, talking um, uh, collectively about uh, where, we, uh, where we fit in this realm and how uh, we might organize our vast array of resources 
to bring to bear on this problem, and and so it's uh, it's really exciting that um, uh, that um, we're not <laughs> you know we're not doing this in a vacuum, and that and that there are opportunities to. Uh, you know, kind of meet together to help sort of think through these issues. Other thoughts? Okay, uh, so let's see. I had a couple of sort of more specific questions here. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I, you know, probably this is more of a for afterwards people coming up to me sort of thing, but. Uh, there are no doubt institutes and people that I should be speaking with, and perhaps you have some suggestions that I haven't heard yet. So uh, if things do leap to mind, you, know, you really ought to talk to this person who's working on this over here. Uh, please do feel free to email me those. Uh, beyond that, I, I, I guess one of the issues is how, how this sort of applies to CMSW more specifically than elsewhere. I, I, I said I, I'm a historian. I'm trying to get a better grasp for all of the things going on in the humanities, but there are a lot of things going on in the humanities. And my understanding is CMSW is not a department that exists everywhere. Um, and so you have your own sort of inflection on, on your own fields. Um, I had a question that came off of that. Uh, well, so I, I guess that to some degree ties back into the question of what sort of projects you would potentially envision or have seen before that are of interest. Um, well, I'm trying to remember my question here. At some point, I'm rambling. If people have thoughts that come off of that rambling, please raise your hand at any point. Yes. Well, I, I'm not sure. I was going to ask a question about what we do. What, mm -hmm. what if there's a lab? What we do? It seems there's, there's a number of voices that um, speak to um, solidifying, amplifying mm -hmm. how we do startup, how we do um, warehousing of knowledge base and communicating to faculty what's out there, how to take first steps in doing it, how to make grants. And I think that's, that's a very widely shared mm -hmm. view. Um, and then, uh, I'm on the committee, I don't see the other members, basically, but um, so, so that's, that's very important part of this. But then there's the also thing uh, that maybe the way to get that part done is to join it with the kind of large contribution that MIT um, often formulates and often succeeds in making um, progress toward um, that floats the uh, you know floats the whole ship and is also valuable in itself. So one of the things we we will be talking about in the committee is exactly that kind of thing. Um, what are areas which, uh, with the knowledge and experience that people here in the room have had, that might occur to you as suggestions for, uh, wouldn't have to be the unique mission of a larger project, of a larger uh, aim for uh, a digital humanities center. In fact, we're not even committed to the idea that there would be a digital humanities center. It might be several, it might be other ways of resolving that. We're only at the beginning of the process. But we certainly are welcoming ideas about, well, what could MIT and uh, uh, Douglas does this? So, uh, what could MIT do that's distinctive in the way in which MIT is often made uh, sort of quantum leaps 
uh, towards new knowledge or new ways of doing things. That always comes up as um, <coughs> a question, and of course it inflates every discussion where maybe what we just want is good service on that first teaching level. But that's got to come up, and it's certainly got to come up in the context of, a, of an active campaign. So I wondered if people had ideas about what that, or what other particular questions or directions that MIT might take up in any matter. And believe me, the committee's at a very, very preliminary level, so nothing will seem too vague. You know, we really could really stir in the pot at this point. So if, if you had any suggestions about that or anyone else, it would be great. <coughs> Well, you said vague, so I'm going to go. Okay. <laughs> uh, I got to go to one of these all-day symposiums about virtual reality a while back. I went to the library, and I got yep. to go to this thing, and I was, it was pretty amazing. And I, I don't have a lot of exposure to that, but I was like, wow, how is this going to change the way people teach humanities or the way humanities is done? So I guess I'm thinking of a center that's really pretty porous and interacts with a lot of things that are already going on around here that I think will kind of along the lines of what this gentleman said is create the new research tools or research platforms that research can be done in. I don't, that's about as vague as you can get, but I, I, I really think there's a lot of stuff going on all around campus that could play into any kind of a digital humanities center that's kind of MIT-ish, if you know what I mean. It's, it's computational, it's I, I would say the same thing for CSAIL, but I know less about what's going on there. I have no idea what MIT wants, but I got an idea what I want to do. <laughs> um, I've been considering sort of studying online moderation, and, online, and one of the problems of studying that is that it's hard to track because it is sort of in actions and so on, but I have been considering for a while, you know, what tools can I repurpose um, to serve to analyze, you know, whatever traces of moderation action I can find, chat logs, comment threads, and that kind of thing. I have no idea how to generalize this out. Like, my scope is my focus as I look, but that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, great. Right now. Okay, so maybe linked to that, one of the th one of the services that you see at some DH centers is sort of short courses. You know, maybe four sessions, maybe less than that. You know, intro to web scraping, intro to using ArcGIS uh, for geospatial mapping, intro to, um, you know, using uh, what was the Atlas TI for large-scale qualitative research projects. Uh, I, I'm curious if people, again, would be interested in that kind of thing, or is that something that already exists around campus, or would you just probably rather hire someone to have the technical skills rather than do that yourselves? Any, any first impressions? I definitely want an introduction to scraping. Mm -hmm. Great. Absolutely. Great. <laughs> Other thoughts? Yes, please. Well, also, like, maybe think in terms of, like, how to how tools, I think it could be useful to think outside the digital humanities mm -hmm. scope of work, because, like, I know that data communities have done, like, lots of tutorials on scraping mm -hmm. that are, like, super user-friendly because they're sort of work for journalists and people mm -hmm. who would never go online. Maybe yeah. not start from scratch and see something. 
Yeah, there, there definitely are a lot of good resources out there. Um, you know, programming historian, uh, I think just .com is a set of similar things aimed especially at historians who are assumed to not have a super high level of technical ability, and those are pretty well written. And I'm sure there are other things that are similar to that, but it can be useful sometimes to have somebody walk you through stuff, even if there are good tools available to you. Uh, so that's, that's something we can keep in mind is one, one possible set of things. Um, and then there are sort of models that are, are more like a meeting place where the, you know, there, there are a number of interesting DH projects going on around campus right now. There's the Comedy Francaise uh, registry, there's Annotation Studio on the tools side of things, there uh, is an Iran, US-Iran relations project, uh, I'm getting the name wrong, but there are a number of things going on. Uh, a meeting place for people to sort of compare notes and just sort of come together is another another potential function here. Um, yeah, we are we are sort of looking at, at really general level observations too. If anyone has, so for example, um, one of the issues I keep hearing is that people might be interested in doing DH stuff, but they're worried they're not going to get career credit for it because you don't you know uh, an online archive you don't publish unless you write a special article based off of it. Uh, but the art, but the archive itself, you don't necessarily get career credit for. So if you're a junior scholar or you know a graduate student or some or somebody who's not yet tenured, that may be something you want to avoid until quite far down the road. Uh, so so one <coughs> sort of real spitball idea we were talking about today was could we talk about pairing up with MIT Press to have peer review of these DH <coughs> projects? Uh, so trying to sort of cut the cord uh, or you know cut you know cut the knot. Of why are people avoiding DH? So, if, if you could, so that is a preface to saying if there are other things that come to mind, like I might have been interested in DH, but then there's this thing that's getting in my way. We would love to hear the thing that's getting in your way, uh, where I've, 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 you know, it's interesting you were saying you know, I've, I've, I've dabbled in the past, but I came across this problem. It's the problems we're especially interested in too, so that we can start thinking through are there ways that MIT could become a leader by cutting these knots, by cutting through. The problems that are in people's way, um, not having a good way to archive stuff long term is a big problem that's you know internationally renowned. And maybe you know, I'll be talking a lot with the libraries over the next month, especially, but over the next year or two. And maybe there's a solution there, and maybe there's not. Maybe that's too ambitious for one university, but it's something we should be talking about. So um, you know, maybe maybe you don't think of it today. Maybe tomorrow you're it pops in your head, or two months from now it pops in your head. And if so, please do email me those kind of sort of things. But Anything you have today would also be great. Yeah. So this is a very high altitude. Mm -hmm. uh, on your on your request for who should I talk to and things mm -hmm. like that. Certainly, the schools, the School of Humanities, Arts, and Social Science Communication Office. Mm -hmm. um, just so I'm, I'm acting head of literature this year, and just so happens we had school council today, and one of our hours was devoted to like a refresher on what the communications office does mm -hmm. for the school and how we can get our stories out there mm -hmm. and so on. And uh, prominently figured in this presentation was um, an indication of just how the president of MIT is now trying to incorporate uh, pass, you know, humanities, arts, social science language in his sort of mission statements. Mm -hmm. um, and in specific, the, the terms he evokes uh, in the, in the um, in the quotations we were shown, tends to be culture, politics, economics. Mm -hmm. And so uh, whatever the digital humanities um, 
center or non-center or whatever becomes, I think it would be wise to connect it to these ideas, right, in some really visible way. Okay, great. You can work with the communications director on how to do that as you think about your, your own proposal. Um, and then to come down like a, maybe a one level of, towards something like greater specificity. Um, I would love to see um, a, the theme of, of reading and literacy broadly construed, mm -hmm. visual literacy as well as, as textual literacy, cultural literacy in some non-reactionary non sense, <laughs> um, you know, uh, or cultural, cultural literacies maybe. Um, uh, be a theme, you know, or be considered as a theme for this, whatever this entity turns out to be. Mm -hmm. um, I'm coming at this, as, as I indicated before, from a kind of 19th century literature perspective. And in our field, Franco Moretti at Stanford has created this big lab um, and has uh, promoted the concept of distant reading of, uh, to handle the fact that so many thousands of novels were published during the period, no one can hope to read them all. But how can you do something with them, right? And that's a valuable approach as far as it goes. We're not going to replicate that, right? We want to do something distinctive. I think, like coming back to the theme of reading and literacy, uh, not distant but close, mm -hmm. close up. Uh, an annotation, to the annotation thing would be one element in mm -hmm. under an umbrella. So, other thoughts. I think um, uh, connecting to some of these ideas, there are a lot of other people at MIT and other departments who are doing some very interesting things. And I'm thinking, of course, for uh, architecture, and I'm thinking of uh, uh, people like Kevin uh, uh, Servanus and his group ACT and so forth. A lot of these people are doing things that really do fit into the same set of concepts. And it could be that something that MIT could uh, contribute that would be unique would be to try to uh, move across some of these different fields, including people in computation, mm -hmm. and bring them together around some of these questions like literacy, uh, cultural literacy, uh, visual, uh, visual literacy, and so forth. Um, a tremendous number of resources in all these different departments, and people who actually care about these things but they generally don't have a framework to uh, come together under, and it could be that, um, I'm not sure I like the term digital humanities, I've never really liked it, <laughs> but under this uh, concept of, of a center, they could actually come together and talk about some of the things that they're doing, and maybe come up with some interesting design ideas that Scott was uh, thinking about, is, you know, just, how do you see this set of questions from your framework as an art historian working in course four, or somebody who's working in uh, uh, urban planning or whatever? Because uh, they do all, a lot of them share similar types of uh, interests that really fit into this category. And I think MIT will respond, generally responds to the center concept if it's, if it's larger, if it moves across fields. Uh, and um, there's always been this sort of narrative at MIT that uh, interdisciplinary is really, really important. It's just that when it happens, they get uh, very skeptical about it. Um, uh, so there's a lot going on. And I think some kind of an inventory of 
what other people's interests are and how they might be shared around this set of concepts um, would be really interesting to see because uh, that might lead to some breakthroughs and you know, thinking about what a center could do. Um, so combining this center with the idea of literacies is really compelling to me as, as a, a librarian uh, in Roche, so in the library answers coursework. Um, I'm interested as a research interest in visual literacy and to hear that there are people in other departments talking about it as well is incredible. Um, so it's something that I think, you know, opening up more discourse around that and other areas that it's a good pathway to that. Mm -hmm. I never thought of doing that. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that either. Other thoughts? Uh, I'm also in the library. <laughs> um, and thinking about that and other connections and things about course one in the School of Architecture and also the Media Lab, where a lot of activity is going on, the Tangible Media Group in particular. And one of the key things we've been working through um, and the library as a whole is trying to figure out what is the role, as um, especially in special collections, um, what's the role of the tangible in the digital world, and, and how can how does that work together? Um, things like how does virtual reality play into that, and um, whatever you're going to be doing, just that relationship, and you know, how the tangible is different, but in all senses, what's the sensory experience um, as well, and how that plays into this, and what how technology can enhance that is another. Topical thing, like a mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Other thoughts? Yes. So, um, just working by way of analogy, in my own, in my own experience, um, I got into this space originally working on uh, products that involve data, mm -hmm. um, and moving from simply looking at data to um, interacting with data. Actually. Um, which one could only do digitally with the computer was actually so it wasn't simply looking at prefab data displays, but actually creating data displays by massaging data. Um, and it seems to me that interactivity, for lack of a better way of saying it, interactivity is, I think, a critical thing. I mean, clearly, digital media are um, efficient ways of storing and collecting data but we're not taking advantage of it unless we're actually interacting with data. That can mean lots of different things, and some of them are trivial, but, um, but I do think that something about the essence of, of why digital humanities is something other than just a digital collection of print materials is, has to do with the ways in which we actually interact with it um, and take advantage of computational power. Interesting. My thoughts? Uh, so you're reading just a, a short discussion of you know, differences between new media and digital humanities online, and these are outside my areas, but I think I, I was interested in the point that it's really more closely aligned Venn diagram more than it is, you know, separate domains. And so that's one of the reasons I'm so interested in hearing this group's thoughts, because you guys work a lot more with new media and ways of displaying things and ways of communicating um, a lot more consciously, at least, than, than we do over in my side of the world. Uh, so. Again, whether whether that's today or over the next year, I, I would I would love your your thoughts on how we can shape um, the sort of ways we conceive of projects that would might happen in this sort of DH center, ways we can get resources in a DH center that uh, might sponsor useful projects. Yeah, and also you know Kurt Fent, um, who 
uh, is sort of head of the Hyper Studio right now, have said something interesting to me today, which is um, half joking, I think, and is most radical. He doesn't want to do DH. He wants to do what's next beyond DH. And if we knew what that was, great. But I, I, that's that's the challenge, I guess, is what's going to be the next big thing that's related to this. So we can all brainstorm at least uh, along the way. Great. Other thoughts? Okay. Well, I don't want to take up your entire day here. We've we've been here for an hour. Uh, I'd be happy to answer questions to talk about other things that we're discussing in terms of um, specific resources we're playing with, um, comparisons to other universities, DH centers, uh, any, anything else that comes to mind, any, any topics you guys wanted to discuss? Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, I just, just sort of dwelling on the question of digital humanities, the name itself, Jim doesn't like it. I think I'm in the same boat. I'm not sure why you don't like it. <laughs> um, maybe you would share. <laughs> well, the the problem if, for me has been uh, digital humanities just ranges all over the place, and there are, there are roaring debates uh, between people about uh, close reading versus far reading, and you know there there are things going on in so many different levels and planes and sectors that I find that the term really doesn't do much work for anybody. Um, there is a volume that came out, Verdict uh, 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 et al. Uh, from MIT Press uh, a few years back. Uh, it's a fairly succinct, uh, an effort to be fairly succinct uh, about summarizing different kinds of projects that people do. But it has all kinds of uh, you know pronouncements in it that are you know, questionable. So I find that the, uh, the people sort of struggle with the term, trying to figure out uh, how to think about it and what it consists of, and they end up frustrated because uh, it doesn't really go very far. Um, there are at least four major collections out circulating in digital humanities, with each with 15 to 20 articles. And you read the collections, you go over them, you try to put them together, and there's no, there's no center there. Um, I mean, for me, digital humanities has always been the way I've thought about it, is it augments what the humanist does. It is not a replacement for anything. It's simply an augmentation taking in, into consideration interactivity and the different things that media offer and so on. And they do offer indeed a lot. Um, and you can get massive corpuses of uh, scholarly materials online uh, as well as classical texts and so on and so forth. So it's just too big a category. Um, so I get frustrated when I try to think about it or try to talk to people about it because you can move from one register to another very quickly and still not really come up with anything very central. So I think that's part of the problem. Um, and so it means so many different things to so many different people. Um, I don't have a replacement for it because it's sort of emerged that it has something to do with digital uh, humanities in the digital age. Uh, so I'm willing to work with that uh, concept and go out and try to raise funds for projects and things of that sort. But uh, every time I hear the term, I think, well, what is it? Uh, it doesn't really boil down to anything. So 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, when I began working in this area, I didn't call it digital. I'm not fond of the term. It came from questions that, these questions about visual, you know, how, how, how do you understand a Shakespeare play as textual and visual and moving through the history of media? That was my sort of question. And it wasn't even digital at first. It had to do with uh, a needle, needle red uh, of video discs before laser discs was where I started. So, so it really wasn't digital. It was cross media. Um, but I, and so it is now hard to maintain the notion that we have authentic questions in our fields. We have the possibility of expansion beyond what we have done in the past. So let allow those authentic questions to determine um, the future of this area. But there's also an argument, and I can see many places in my own uh, career where I failed to uh, take note of what people were saying or believe that some new tool or some new, huge new capacity to analyze material uh, might be relevant. And I was usually wrong. I went wrong enough <laughs> to now listen a lot more carefully. I remember when Hal Abelson said, so can you come to a meeting? I said, what is it about? What's well, a meeting with Google? I said, well, I, I, it's about what you would do if you had 10 million books. <laughs> you know? And I said, I, I don't think I think of that. But <laughs> I want to do close meetings of variants in the fourth act, you know, and, and maybe attach them to performances. Was I wrong? You know, and that's one huge burgeoning area where if there's a corpus and we can learn something from the corpus and there are tools to learn it, what is it we want to learn? That's the opposite of saying, what do we already want to learn? We have to look at the tools, ask, they're doing something interesting, how might I use that? I think that's the kind of the dialogue. I rather like what um, Kurt's logo, Kurt Fenn's logo, D plus H, you know, rather than D H, uh, digital plus humanity. Uh, it is dialogic and should be, and that's where the good work will come from. So how do we embody that in something we can say, this is an example of how MIT could uniquely further that and also serve uh, the purpose of bringing new people uh, into that and creating new pedagogies out of it. So I think that's sort of where I'm at in, in regards to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, the term uh, this just can mean just too many things. I also, I mean, in the yeah. context of MIT and in the context of Shas, it seems very limiting. I'm sitting next to a historian, and you know, I'm sitting next to folks who study media who aren't necessarily who don't necessarily consider them to be humanists per se. So if there's a way that we can reframe whatever is good about DH in terms that are capacious of what is good about shafts, then that would be, mm -hmm. I think, a desideratum for sure. Mm -hmm. Before we go creating a center for digital humanities, which I think is more exclusive than it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely different histories of the term you'll hear if you if you read different disciplines' perspectives too. If you there's an article that went around a while back, uh, 
digital humanities is a neoliberal tool of the academy that if you read it, you would have thought that English departments were the only places that had ever done a digital project in the history of the world. Um, and it was entirely centered on, on how English departments, especially UVA, had, had done this. And okay, that's one aspect of this, but there are lots of other stuff going on, even at UVA at that same time, that don't come up. And if you heard the history of digital history, you would have heard a totally different story. Uh, so it, it is important to think in, in those sort of broader contexts um, how to how to incorporate these different things so that the terms history as well as its current <coughs> meanings don't get wrapped up. I and mean, to some degree, there is, I think you were alluding to this, something to be said for hype can generate money mm -hmm. and it can generate interest and it can generate administrative support for good research. And that's not a trivial thing. I mean, it's not something to throw away very lightly. Uh, either so that there's a good side to that too. It, I think that's a lot of the reason the term has stuck around as long as it has is that people recognize that this is an interesting new thing that we want to fund, and that has value as long as everybody can agree that you know shush, there's no real definition, but we don't need one. Uh, we'll all agree that these things have some commonality that they are using digital tools or methods in new ways to do new types of research or to do old types better. And maybe that's enough, but again, maybe we should be thinking what's next beyond that. Uh, great. Yes. On the question of what's next, I, I work with a lot of digital media. Mm -hmm. and I do have a sense that the term digital in, in itself is somewhat on the way out in terms of not really thinking digital versus analog so much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so thinking of alternatives like computational or algorithmic or something that seems to have a little bit more of a specificity in terms of method as opposed to mm -hmm. digital analog divide. Interesting. Yeah, I'm curious if there's any other, any other terms that you have in mind. Yeah, well, things do do certainly. So that that's the issue. So there's a side of this where computational is a good description. There are also a lot of things where I think that would, you know, no. Instead of tell, you know, digital humanities, I also see incorporate, for example, you know, telling a story like a, maybe a novella, not just a to a to z, not in linear fashion, but maybe you can skip around or tell the story in sort of a branching path or sort of playing with different ways of displaying things that might be within the humanities realm that you can only do in the digital way and you can't do on paper that is maybe less computational in that sense. But um, there is an important part of the computational stuff that I think there's a lot of value there and hope to work, hope to get IDSS, the Institute for Data Systems and Society, signed on because they exist and they have a mandate to work with all of the schools around MIT, including Shas, and they have told me that they're very interested in working with Shas. Whether that works out to something, we'll see. Uh, it might. It, it might be that it's tricky if you're not the economists who are currently working with them who are still doing big data of a within economics traditionally way of doing things. Um, but maybe, maybe they'll really have opportunities for people to do innovative work with data analysis and computational stuff too. So that, that definitely is an important part of it um, that we definitely want to include. Yeah. Other thoughts? Or questions or vague observations? Yes. Yeah, and this is just a follow-up on Pete's comments. I thought they were terrific, actually. And I think it's altered the way I want to think about it. Mm -hmm. Because I think previously <coughs> I was inclined to um, take, uh, what's the guy in UVA? The UVA English guy. McCann? Yeah, yeah, Jerome. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was inclined to take something that he said and think that sounds right, which is like, you know, digital humanities should exist to do what humanists want to do 
with those tools. But I think Pete is right that with a dialogue, you learn new things that you didn't know you wanted to do beforehand, right? And that's to go back to my initial comment, right? Like I want, I would, I would love to have this be a place where I can go and enter into that dialogue and discover that my initial idea was only the start. That there were all kinds of additional things I could do because they have revealed to me what the tools are capable of, right? And um, and similarly, I hope that sometimes, if not me, some somebody would uh, come in with an idea that would challenge them to think, oh, I need to make a tool to do that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so it works both ways. And I think that would be just fantastic because um, we would both be learning a tremendous amount. The other thing I wanted to say is that I don't think, I, I think that the pedagogy and the research aspects shouldn't be divorced. Mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of times if you have the kernel of an idea, you're not really sure which domain it's going to be most productive in. Um, but the project I described in the outset was came up right out of my teaching, and I thought, thought of it that way. But as it developed, I thought there are interesting research questions to ask here that we could get at if we built this tool right, and you know, and we, and we, we were able to keep it running. Um, and I wouldn't like to see that uh, connection broken. Having said that, however, uh, I don't know if you, and this is back to like people to talk to, I don't know if you've already got Office of Digital Learning on your list. Um, they're, as I understand, primarily concerned with MOOCs, but this could certainly be um, a link that was worth exploring. Yeah, I've, I've met with some of the folks there and hope to continue to do so. Uh, they're interested in, in a general sense and maybe will be interested in a specific sense with time. Um, they, they've, they've certainly said that sometimes faculty would come to them and say, I'm thinking about reworking this course this way, or like, what tools could I use for my class? And that's not really their area of expertise, so maybe that's an opening for a new center to take over in conjunction with them. Maybe share personnel, share responsibilities, point to each other as useful, who knows. Um, but yeah, that, and on, your, on your earlier point, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. They should be tied together. One of the comments I've heard from a few people about Annotation Studio is one of the most useful things were the pedagogy sessions where the developers for the tool and the people using it in the classroom would meet and talk about, well, this didn't quite work so well. Can we maybe make this easier for the students to use in this way? Or, um, you know, so there's a back and forth that made the tool better and the pedagogy better and people had a place to discuss pedagogy, which, uh, at least in this one person's uh, opinion, was not a lot of opportunities around around the campus um, to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly something to to pair up. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, um, I think it would be great if we didn't lose the mm -hmm. inputs and uh, people who've been speaking and uh, have things to contribute. Maybe you could have a sign up. She could they can email you, but people forget to do that. Uh, would that make sense to you, or sure? And just, just maybe me email people and say if you have thoughts. Come down the front and yeah, I, mean, I could just put out some paper here. If people leave, if you want, if you want, if you have anything, if you're interested in staying part of the conversation, please do come sign, and I'll email you, and we can keep the conversation going. And if you don't, that's fine too. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, any, any last comments? Okay, well, thanks very much, and I look forward to working with all of you over the next two years.